Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Wife Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports and embraces the women behind the military men by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. This episode of Military Wife Life is proudly brought to you by Defence Bank. Serving those who protect us, Defence Bank have the largest on-base branch network with 37 locations around Australia. They have Army, Air Force and Navy covered. But hey, if you can't make it into a branch, Defence Bank's mobile bank app is award-winning. It won a Mozo Experts Choice Award in 2019 in the excellent bank app category. How good is that? Defence Bank all also have all the pays, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Samsung Pay, Garmin and Fitbit Pay. They have Pay ID and OSCO payments, which means instant transfers. Oh, and Defence Bank customers also have access to fee-free withdrawals at over 7,000 ATMs nationwide. To find out more about how Defence Bank can serve you, call 1-800-033-139 or visit defencebank.com.au or drop into your local branch on base. From the age of 18 to 25, Kat John suffered chronic nerve pain throughout her body and became addicted to prescribed pain medication. By age 23, she was overweight, depressed, suicidal, and desperate for a way out. Kat felt that she must have done something very wrong to deserve all this and had become a person who had nothing left to give to herself or the people around her. It wasn't until Kat sought advice from a professor of neurology who helped her see that although she was dealt a shitty hand, that she had what it took to overcome chronic pain. He suggested she train like an Olympic athlete would for their gold medal. Only her gold medal was happiness, freedom, and inner peace. She walked out of there and immediately chose to shift her focus. Welcome, Kat, to the Military Wife Life podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Beck. It's, it's a, a nice bit, intro. It's a bit of a story there. It's like from... Oh, my gosh. I listened to that. I'm like, whoa. Up and down, up and down. So how are you feeling about all that? Perfectly yeah. fine. I love it. I love it. So, Kat, when you walked out of there, you committed to 12 months of a new regime. Can you tell us about that and what happened from there? So that decision to, to just totally try something new, I guess, was birthed out of I've got nothing to lose because pretty much before going in there, I didn't want to stick around in this life anymore. So the decision behind it was like, give this all you've got, which was, I think, a really important decision whilst making the decision to shift, if that makes sense, rather than, oh, you know, I'll give it a little crack. I'll give it, I'll give it a little go. It was like, give this all you got woman, because you're in a really shit place. So basically I, I walked out of there and I got, I guess, the okay to stop taking prescribed medication. I asked my neuro, uh, the neurologist that specifically and he said yes and then pretty much I had a chat with my parents and they were like you know are you sure you want to do this like what if you get in pain are you do you want to just keep some stuff around I was like nah burn the bridges you know I want to I want to know if I really want to know if this is going to work properly and I want to give this all I've got which is sort of part of my personality so I went home after that and then the next day when I woke up and I opened my eyes I would usually go and you know fill myself up with medication but as under instruction or new instruction, I was informed to do something different. So I, I got myself up out of bed. I put my feet down on the floor, played, you know, beautiful music and I closed my eyes. This was me re-engaging with imagination. And I started imagining myself free and happy and 
just free to do whatever the hell I wanted to do because I was so trapped where I was. Um, I was really trapped in a mindset of, I can't do this. I can't do that. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do that. So every time I would envision that and see it, I'd feel a certain way. And that feeling was like intoxicating. And from that feeling, I'd ask myself, well, what can I do today to bring that vision of freedom and happiness closer into my life? It was almost like, you know, a tug of war. I was like wanting to bring the other end of the rope closer to me, which was the vision of being free. And I would often get the, the answer to move my body. You know, I know that sounds really simple, but I wasn't moving my body. I was scared to move my body for fear of activating more pain. So that process I did every day. I, I didn't miss it. I didn't skip it. I didn't just do it on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I did it Monday to Sunday, Monday to Sunday. It was just on repeat. Without really realizing it, you were starting to retrain your brain. I had no idea that's what I was doing. Zero. But yes, I often find things out. I often chuck myself in the deep end and then I find out what I'm, what's actually happening as I'm doing it. So yeah, I was retraining my brain. Um, the professor was talking about neuroplasticity. I was rewiring my brain, making new connections in my brain to say, hey, we want this. This is what we're going for. We want this. This is what we're going for. And the more I tuned into it or envisioned it on a daily basis, the stronger those connections got. And I, I envision it like a, you know, when you see a spider web and it's really, really faint, like you can, you know, you can walk through it um, because you can't even see it. The more I was envisioning and imagining the web got thicker and stronger, thicker and stronger. And those connections in my brain were like, cool, we are going for freedom. We are going for happiness. And this is what we've got to do about it. And that pretty much became a new system that was built into my brain and into my mind. And like you said in the intro, within 10 months, I was so focused on that, that I didn't even know that I was in pain anymore. And it was only after a 10 month check-in with my dad. My dad said, you know, hey kiddo, how you doing? I was like, I'm not in pain anymore. Well, maybe, I don't even know when, I'm, when I stopped being in pain because I just became so focused on this vision and fulfilling it. And I guess relating it to military spouses and what they might go through. It's not even just specific to pain. It could be mental anguish, uh, whatever you're going through in your life that you feel is stopping you, putting that focus and committing to yourself. And then without realizing it, retraining your brain can have an effect on every area of your life, not just if you're in pain. Absolutely not. You know, you're hundred percent right. So what was happening over that period was I just was naturally starting to lose weight. I was naturally starting to become happier. I was naturally more engaged with life. And as a result, because all of this other good shit was coming out of this one little technique, you know, yes, the, the, the overall thing of pain was gone. But, you know, as you said, in, again, in the intro, I was unhappy. I was depressed. I was not in a good place. And all of that began to shift with this imagination visualization process so when you made that shift it left you with i guess this overwhelming knowing that there is a power within us all to change our lives no matter what the circumstances or whatever the past experiences that we may have had 
holding us down. And, and you're doing that through obviously your community and your events and your mm. coaching, but you also have a podcast. And when I listen mm. to your podcast, I have so many light bulb moments that particularly in episode eight, don't give up on the vision in your heart. That episode mm. just spoke to me so much. And I know it will speak to so many other military partners because you talk about what it means to shift the plan while holding the vision and not giving up on you and what you want for your life. I know in the past as a military spouse, I have often wondered what my purpose was. I found it hard to constantly have to give up control of my life because of having to move and go where the Navy needs us to be. And so sometimes you find you start to sway from what you had planned or hoped for for your life or your career or whatever it may be. So can you talk us through how we can hold the vision, but be adaptable with the how? It's a really important point, this one, because often we think that like, as you were using that example of if I've got to move here, if I've got to move there, if I've got to do this, if I've got to do that, we think that they are the conditions that are in the way of us ever fulfilling what it is that we love. And that might be, you know, to have a stable family home, right? That may be one of your biggest visions that is something that you would really love to have everyone at home always, <laughs> you know, eventually that, that what, that's what you want. So what tends to happen is life does happen. Things do get in the way. And what happens is there's a part of us that believes, well, because it's not happening now, because it's not happening the way I wanted it to, we become super rigid. And in that rigidity, we lose connection to what it is that we truly want. And we're like, oh, nah, I'm just, it's too hard. I'm not meant to have it. It's just not meant for me in this lifetime. I've just got to let it go. Just hang up your boots, mate. You'll never run your own business or you'll never have the family life that you want, or you'll never have your own sense of self and freedom. We, we lose connection to it. And it's the process that I adopted when I was going through this brain surgery healing stuff where you, you know when there is a vision in your heart that is true for you. And one way to start, I guess, readapting the plan or adapting the plan is to tune into the vision, keep seeing it, keep imagining it and ask yourself, you know, what is it that I'm doing now? These, are, these questions are called self-inquiry questions where you ask a question, you're going to get an answer. The answer may be not what you want to hear, but the answer is usually truth, truth that you need to hear to adapt the plan. So it may be, you know, you, you're tuning into the vision and what is it that I can do right now to be more at peace with where I am so that you're still, the vision is still in sight, but you're just finding some more peace or contentment or you ask, what is my next best step in regards to getting to fulfilling whatever it is that you want to fulfill. So that's how I deal with it because I have visions. I have lots of visions and am I going to get there tomorrow? No. Are the things that are in my way? Yes. And I'll fall sucker to the reasons why my vision won't ever come true. But if you can see when you're actually in that cycle of going, oh, look, I'm, I'm about to give up. Hang on a second. What's that vision again? Ask what your next best step is or ask, you know, yourself, what can I do to make this better for me right now? Get the answer and then go about fulfilling that, knowing that your vision may not happen tomorrow, 
but it'll still come to life. So like one step is better than no steps. Like you're not 100%. getting anywhere, you're not getting any closer. And I guess you're probably falling deeper into that hole of pity and negative talk and whatever the case may be. Whereas if you're just taking one step, that's better than no steps. Correct. Or just completely giving up. So like in that episode of don't give up on the vision of your heart, you would have heard that I wanted to be a person that led meditation. And my first meditation class, one person showed up. The second class, no one showed up. The third class, no one showed up. Do you know how embarrassing that was? And ashamed I was and pathetic I felt and how I just was like, I'm, I'm a loser. I'm a total loser. And it was really easy to give up on that vision of I want to lead meditation. I know that I can lead it in a way that's very powerful and that's my vision and I want to lead it you know, in big events, in mass events, one-on-one, whatever it may be. And I, after six weeks of not getting closer to the result because no one was showing up, I then had to reassess. And that's what we have to be in the process of reassessing. If, if stuff isn't working, cool, no problem. Just take a seat back, which is what I did, envisioned meditation still and leading it. And then ask myself, what do I need to do right now? Because whatever I'm doing isn't working. And again, you would have heard in the episode that it was just reaching out to this person and that person who had a yoga studio full of people that I could meditate to, you know? So finding another way instead of sitting back and going, well, it's the military's fault that I am here and I'm not able to do it the way that I had envisioned originally. Yeah. Find another way. And if that's your vision, then hold true to that vision. What you end up doing is you rem- you're removing the circumstances and the conditions that seem to be the reason why you're not getting what you want, i.e. I keep getting moved around or this keeps happening or that keeps happening and because of that, my vision isn't going to happen or what I want to do isn't going to happen. You know, this that's the whole adapting the plan. It's like my, my partner, Steve, talks about it really well. He said, you know, if you're flying from Melbourne to London, you know, that the pilot is going to put in, we're in Melbourne, we're in London, that's where we're going that's the end destination but on the way there's going to be turbulence on the way and so the pilot may need to detour or may need to take another route or may need to speed up or slow down but the end destination is still London. Now they may have to stop off in Dubai first or they may have to stop off somewhere first to refuel or to recalibrate, but they're still going to end up in London. And also, I mean, when you've adjusted those expectations and you're obviously taking steps towards where you want to be, but just going with the way it's going to happen, it's also a better experience as opposed to thinking in a negative way and thinking, well, it only has to happen this way. Like how much of a better experience is it when you're actually, your mind is is right and you're enjoying the ride as opposed to, oh, here's a brick wall. Oh, that's because of this. And here's another yeah. brick wall. Instead, the other sort of way where you're sort of going with the flow is much more enjoyable. Totally. It is. It absolutely is. It's just where our minds are rigid unless we're in the practice of not being rigid. Um, so- and I can understand because particularly with your listeners who are, if you do have to move around a lot or if there's a lot of uncertainty, you're seeking certainty. Certainty, security and knowing how everything's going to turn out would probably be, I mean, it's massive for everyone, but some circumstances are stronger than others like what the situation you're in and, and your listeners as well. So to know and have control over something would maybe be even more precious to you, but it can also create rigidity and therefore whatever you want is, is harder to, it seems harder to get. So how do we tune out 
all of the everyday, the to-do list, the needs of everyone else around us, especially for us military spouses who are often solo parenting or isolated due to being away from friends and family. How do Mm. we tune out all of the everyday and go back into our hearts and remember what it exactly is that we want? There's a human side to life, which is you got to do bloody washing. You got to, you know, <laughs> fold the washing. There's dishes to be put in the sink. Like yeah, It's not like you know, life and ends I, because you've got nah. your vision. <laughs> oh my God, no way. It's like, if anything, like I'm a stepmom and I go out and I lead meditations in front of thousands of people or I run mass events <laughs> and then I come home and they're like, can we order this for lunch or can you iron my top? I'm like, wow. I don't I'm want that on my sandwich today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like I've so, just gone from being a total boss to coming home and doing I, I know. I'm like rock star to oh yeah, that's right. I'm a stepmom. <laughs> <laughs> So I think there's, it's what you said. It's really important to know, even though you have a vision, it doesn't mean the mundane just like disappears. Yeah. But what I guess I do for my, my clients, my coaching clients is I get them to do, there's a very specific meditation that I get them to do, which is called the land of gold. And it's going into your heart. And I guess it's like going around and wandering inside your heart and seeing everything that it would love to bring to life right? So it starts off as a big visualization, a big meditation, and it's a writing process. It kind of like pours your heart out and you see your heart on paper and you're like, oh, that's exactly what I want to create. And then there are obvious themes that are inside your land of gold, like love, travel, family, community, that are obvious themes that are like, these are the major themes of my life that I'm looking to create or fulfill or enrich. And then what takes place is I take those themes and we drill down and make them into very specific choices. And those choices become, I guess, daily visualizations that they tune into, they imagine into. And just like I did all of, all of those years ago with my chronic pain, they too ask themselves, what is it that I need to do today to fulfill my vision? So in saying, in answering your question, what I do and what I get my clients to do and anyone who wants to listen to this is every morning their vision will be tuned into. And it's like a 10, 15 minute process of just visualizing, imagining, and then getting answers as to what your next best step is and fulfilling your next best step. And then life is life, right? I'll do my vision setup. And then there's like shit that I got to do for my business. There's clients I've got to see. There's emails I need to reply to. There's whatever I need I need to get done. The life tasks. Then there are kids to pick up. Then there is washing to do. I've got to walk Bailey somewhere in there and go and move my body. So there's reality and there's visualizing what you want to be in your reality. So it's sort of like the two have to coexist. You're envisioning in the morning, getting your guidance as to what steps you need to take whilst fulfilling the stuff that you got to fulfill. But with that in mind, when you have tapped into your heart and you see what you want, sometimes you'll look at the mundane or life things that you're doing and you're like, actually, I don't like the mates that I'm hanging out with, or actually, I don't like that I'm doing this, or I don't like that I'm doing that, or I'm wasting a lot of time, or I don't like that I'm not exercising, or I don't like that I'm putting myself last. Because what happens is when you've tuned into your heart, 
Hey Military Wife Life community, I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you a little bit about the Defence Bank Foundation and the great work they're doing in the defence community. The foundation raises funds to support serving and ex-serving ADF members living with injuries or illnesses such as post-traumatic stress disorder. In 2019, the sole beneficiary of the foundation was the Defence Community Dogs Program, a specialised dog training program which rescues abandoned dogs and trains them through correctional services. 40 service dogs have been trained and given to veterans since the Defence Bank Foundation was established. The program gives dogs, inmates and veterans a second chance at life. And then you look at your life in terms of, you know, the everyday stuff, it can inspire change there where, you know, the mundane shit doesn't have to be so mundane when you stop doing maybe some or a lot of the things that you don't really want to be doing. In order to if get that makes to, sense. Yeah, the end goal that you're you're wanting to get or the vision that you've got. And I Correct. guess maybe when it comes down to it and we focus on working out what we actually want, there are then some hard decisions to make. Like how do we keep pushing forward with those hard decisions? Because, you know, for example, if it is that you have worked out exactly what you want and these are the things that uh, may be stopping you. Um, but if you change this, maybe for instance, um, okay, well, the end goal is I want to focus on my health more, but I can't because mm -hmm. I'm doing everything at home and my partner's away and um, yeah. he's going to be gone for six months. But the decision is, but instead of going to the coffee morning on Fridays, I focus yeah. on putting that time into myself, which is a Amen. hard decision. Sacrifice. But if that's the vision that you've got, then that's what you've got to do to give it your all essentially as opposed Correct. to saying, well, this is the vision, but what are you going to do to, to get there? Correct. Like it's like the view, you might have a vision of optimal well-being, and then you smoke, yeah. you know, and it's like, ah, my heart has told me and shown me that I want to be in a state of optimal well-being, and I want to feel good about myself, but I'm smoking because I'm stressed and I'm not coping with my partner being away. And that feels like it's my alone time. And that feels like that gives me a little bit of thinking space, right? So once you've yeah. activated your heart and then you can see there are things in there that are in contrast to what it is that you're doing, you are then left with hard choice and sacrifice to ask yourself, do I want to live closer in alignment with my heart or am I going to ignore it and just keep doing the things that maybe aren't as fulfilling as I've told myself that they are? And then maybe we realize that actually what we thought we wanted isn't actually what we want anymore. But acknowledging that is a huge step in being able to move forward from that. So like once we've worked it all out and we go, okay, well, this is what I thought I wanted, but in order to get to there, these are the sacrifices or the steps I have to take and I'm not willing to do those. So instead of thinking to yourself that life and the military is stopping me from doing that, it's actually you and what you're yeah. willing to sacrifice or do to get to that vision. Absolutely. So how do we, as I guess, as military spouses keep showing up, how do we hold to the vision? How do, especially, I guess, if we've got a, a partner in the military, obviously most of the time the focus is on the military member because we do have to move with them. We do have to support their career. We do have like, you know, they're the one going and coming back and everyone's like, yay for you. What a great homecoming. You must be happy they're home sort of thing. Mm. How do we keep showing up for ourselves? I guess the, the first thing that comes to mind is, it depends what showing up means to you. To me, showing up means I show up to my stepchildren and I know that I'm not going to do that all the time. I know that I'm going to fall short of showing up and by showing up to them, that to me looks like 
they've got my heart, they've got my presence, that if it's easy for me to be reactionary, I take a, I take a breath and not have a crack, you know? To me, showing up to my clients, to my business, to my tribe is showing up real, showing up raw, showing up relatable. So my response to your question is it depends what showing up means to whoever is listening to this episode. Yeah. You know, you may know intrinsically that you're not showing up to your life. You may be complaining about your life. You may be whinging for, you know what, probably really valid reasons. And there's a part of us that it's important to air out that stuff that frustrates us. But if that's how you're showing up and you're expecting life to be better, you're expecting life to be you know, more magical or more easy for you, then you need to redefine showing up. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. It's like thinking, well, showing up to me is going to my child's school and doing reading for my three kids, which means three days out of my week, but then I don't have time for myself or the Mm -hmm. business that I'm trying to create, whatever the case may be. So it's like, well, what does showing up mean? So you're not placing these unrealistic expectations on yourself and then not being able to show up for really any of those areas properly. Correct. So showing up may be, you know what, I'm going to show up to my health and that's going to look like I move my body in the morning, I meditate afterwards, I start really figuring out what it is that I want and I go about it. That's a version of showing up. You know, you may decide that showing up means you're going to put structure around your weeks that On these certain days, they are your days to discover more about yourself, to try something new, something that might light your soul, might light up your heart. And then these particular days are for my friends, are for developing connections in the community. So everyone's version of show up is different, which is why I don't think it's up to me to say this is how you should show up. And there's no guilt in that as well, because showing up for yourself means that you're better able to show up for everyone else in your life. Absolutely. And like for me, I show up for my clients well because I show up for myself first. I don't see anyone before 10.30. My first client's at 10.30. And that's because I'm choosing to show up for myself first. I go move my body. I go down to the beach and walk my dog. I meditate, go into my choices, eat breakfast, sitting down, not on the go. And then I start my first coaching client at 10.30. And then I show up for them. I'm present. I'm there. I'm on the ball. I'm in front of them. All the rest. And that's because you've committed to do that. Like you haven't gone, okay, well, this person is important and they can only meet at 9am. Well, that's not going to work because you have time booked in for you to do those things because you know that that's what's important for you and that's what keeps you going. And I believe that when you've defined what showing up means for you, then you'll create boundaries around that because it's something you want to protect. It's something you want to honour. It's something that is important. And so if it's important, you'll put a boundary around it. When it comes to you know your listeners, it, it also means that the time that you're on your own, your partner's not there and you've created this version of whatever it is for you about showing up and boundaries around it, that when they come home, you don't just let that go because you've created something very special and sacred for yourself. Yes. It's not like you're just showing up because they're not there. And then when they're back, you drop everything and you become like the, I, I just forget everything about what's important to me. It's like, No, this is just, it's just for you. You're doing it for you and you don't let that go based upon the circumstances. It's just because this is what you want. Yeah, that's so true. And then because then you don't want to get into the same cycle of then they go away again and you're having to start start from scratch. Correct. Correct. You, and this is why it has, it does have to be for you. Then it's consistent. Then it'll stick. 
then it'll just be, oh, okay, like, yes, of course, sad that they go. Yes, of course. But you then you've got this thing for you, that version of show up. And that's your precious kind of, I guess, value system you live by. I guess you also talk about how part of the process is having patience and trusting in the timing of things. Like you mentioned before, everything's not going to happen, you know, just because you've nutted out what your vision is and how you're going to get there. It doesn't just happen tomorrow. You have to trust in the timing of things. A hundred percent. We're used to, well, the primal part of our brain is just used to instant gratification. It seeks that, it yearns for that, it gets off on that. And you know, I guess the thing that I see most with people who have a vision and they come and see me and they want to bring it to life and they're like, oh, I've tried for like two weeks and it's not happening. And it's like, all right, cool, dude, you need to like totally shift your expectations. Like that meditation from when no one turned up, it was then three years later, maybe two, two and a bit years later, where then I was standing at Federation Square in front of 25,000 people leading a meditation, yeah. you know? So two years prior to that, I was like, oh my God, I should give up because I've tried for six weeks. (laughs) You know? So there's this, there is this instant gratifier in us because that part of us, it doesn't like us failing. It doesn't, doesn't like us feeling ashamed doesn't like us feeling like a loser so it's just like you know what let it go it's not meant to be where most of the time it is meant to be there's just this voice inside of us that doesn't as i said it doesn't want to feel the shame it doesn't want to feel all the yucky feelings when you don't nail it first go yeah so what i say to to my clients is that you're in the game of long-term gratification when it comes to fulfilling your vision You are in the game of starving the part of you, your ego that seeks instant gratification and feeding your long-term vision. You know, it's like fertilizer. You're, You're in the game of fertilizing a beautiful crop and you're waiting for those gorgeous orchids or sunflowers to grow but yeah it's it's a long it's a lot it's the long game it's life (laughs) it's life yeah Yeah. and taking that judgment away from yourself because in reality everyone has their own lives they're not really worried about you when you take that judgment away and you actually go forward and do what you want it's like the saying of what would you do tomorrow if you knew you couldn't fail yeah which basically means if you could go forward tomorrow and do what whatever you wanted and you didn't have any type of mindset associated with it or any negative thoughts, what would you do? So therefore, why can't you go forward and do that? Like what is really stopping you? And really it is just yourself and your, your yep. own judgment. Yep. And rigidity from that judgment then comes rigidity. And then you're like, no. Nah. And then when you actually do take that judgment away and go forward with what you want to do in your vision, you actually realize that the world keeps going and actually nothing bad happened. People didn't, nah. you know, didn't point no. at you in the street for wearing that pink lipstick or whatever the outfit that you wanted to wear or doing what you wanted to do or the world kept turning. It was only you that did. And for that's, sure. that's hard to swallow. That's a pill that's hard to swallow when you really realize there's nothing, nothing. It in is my really way hard to swallow me. because when you really do go forward with what you want out of life and you realize all of the missed opportunities or all the things that you held yourself back, it, it is really hard to swallow, especially if you'd only get there when you're, you know, whatever age you are and you think, what 
could have I been doing or what different decision could I have made if I had taken that judgment away from myself? Yeah, absolutely. Really. That's the, yeah. And that's a nice question to ask. So what would you say to someone who hasn't yet come to the realization that mindset is life-changing? I've, I've come to that realization. I mean, mm. as in someone that thinks, Oh, that's all woo woo. That has nothing to do with what I'm trying to achieve in life. But mindset really does have a lot to do with what we can achieve in life. My biggest thing is I would say, is there's a pattern when you believe that mindset doesn't do anything i would say to look at the pattern in your life where negative things crappy things have taken place you know it might be something to do with your kids or your partner or whatever your parents someone's uh, done something wrong by you my advice is to look back over those times and to view honestly on reflection honestly how you viewed and how you handled and how you thought about each of those times and how you felt after having that viewpoint or having those thoughts around whatever happened, whatever negative or seemingly negative situation happened. And notice if those thoughts and how you felt made that situation any better or brighter or if it made it harder. And the reason why I think this is a good exercise is because we we think that, you know, shit just happens to us or shit just goes on in the world and that's just that. So you can respond in any sort of way and it's the world to blame. But when you can see that there are uh, there's a thread and that there's a pattern and that the way you respond to that through your thoughts, your feelings and your behaviors and how that then creates more misery or more drama or more crap going on in your life, I believe eventually you're going to realize oh, maybe my response and my reaction to this is contributing to my misery or contributing to no one wanting to hang out with me or contributing to me feeling flat or contributing to me seeing the world as like a whatever type of place to be in. And then may, and acknowledging your part in that as well instead of blaming. Yeah, absolutely. And examples I think always help. So I will always, I will observe when things are working well with my stepdaughters and when they're not. And I swear to God, when they're working well, upon reflection, I'm always present. I've got my heart open. Doesn't mean that I'm always a softie, right? I've got, there's tough love in the house too, but I'm always present and I'm with them. And even if I have to give tough love, everyone moves on quickly because I move on quickly. And then the weeks that are hard and tough, it's my mindset. It's my view of them. I view them as drainers. I view them as, oh, I don't want to pick you up. I view them as like, oh, I wish you'd get out of my space. Because of that view, it's making life harder. Whereas when I compare it to other weeks when things were great, it's like, mm, who's the common denominator? It's my mind. My yeah. mind is the common denominator. The kids haven't changed. They're always loud. They're always having fun. They're always wanting to play. They're always wanting to cuddle. What changes is my view of them. And that's to do with my mind. And that's to do with your mind whoever else's mind is listening what would first steps be for people who know they want to change who know something has to give but they're stuck like a mantra or something small that they can do or start with look i think the most non-invasive and aggressive way of, of starting is meditation where it's mind training and there's so many different versions of it there's buddhist there's vedic there's my type which is very which my meditations are more self-inquiry based so if you've got a problem ask questions get answers produce a solution 
There's so many different types that you can train your mind through meditation practices. I mean, really, it's basically someone talking to you and you're just taking in what they're saying with your eyes closed, if you put mm. it really realistically. So mm -hmm. it's like, cool, I can close my eyes for 10 minutes and have someone talk to me. And maybe that may begin to shift my mind, but it'll begin to shift it if you do it consistently. If you do it once a week and you're like, nah, I can't meditate, then you're not trying. You're not showing up. That is your version of showing up, but you're going to get pretty poor results. That to me is just, it's the easiest place to start. There are so many options out there where you can start training your mind in a non-confrontational way. For those that are kind of sort of on the path to being the person they want to be, they've sort of done some work and they're getting there. It, it takes work and effort to stay there. It isn't just something you tick off a list, is it? It's, it's basically a lifestyle change. It's I guess putting the work in and then continually doing it. It's not just, yeah. Okay, great. I've done six months of meditation. No. I'm, I'm fine now. No way. No way. Meditation, anything to do with mindset, like mindset tools and meditation, it trains you to go out into the real world and then practice those tools, you know? So it's like if we went to school and we were taught meditation, mindfulness, kindness, acceptance of other religions and other races, right? You learn that at school but then you have to apply it in the school ground. You have to apply it. It's like those classes or those teachings are there to give you tools to go out into the world and go, okay, I've learned about acceptance. Will I apply it right now or not? And meditation mindset tools are exactly the same thing. Whoever comes to see me, it's like, I will give you, you know, a pretty sick toolkit and it's up to you if you want to use it or not. So I have to use them all the time. If I don't use them, I will be a dead set to my stepdaughters or to Steve, or I can walk around the house grumpy all day for sure. That default position, that automated program is always there, but the more you consistently practice it and use, you know, tools that resonate with you, you will rewire your brain. Your brain rewires to go, oh, okay, I'm in a bad mood. Hang on a second. I have a tool. Or if you are closed minded about something, it's like, oh, your brain, because you've rewired it with all these tools and you're practicing, it says, no problem. I have a tool. Let's use that connection and let's put it into place and oh there we go my life's better because I've opened up my mind and the day can be a nicer place to be in. Also when you do focus on yourself and you know that you're putting your all into you you tend to see the world in a, a better light and things don't seem like such a big deal like your example of your stepdaughters I'm similar if I've put the work into my exercise and I've got those good endorphins and I've um, been able to work because my happy place is working and they've been at school and preschool and we've had time apart and we come back together then if I've put that time into myself then I'm a much happier person with them and I'm not as reactive if something mm. little happens or you know they're fighting because they're always doing that like you mentioned totally. it's just what has happened during that day for me to react in a different way because they're the same people it's not like just because you're doing all this um, mindset work and you've got your vision and they still have needs and they still rely on you and yep. whatever the case may be you still have the washing to do but when you've put that work into yourself you're much more likely to be able to cope and deal with life and have more of a positive attitude for anything else that happens the key point is that life doesn't change but you do and because you change life changes your experience of life changes everything yeah. around is you know the sky still moves there's still clouds 
that hasn't changed, but you have. And so you view that differently. So when you view it differently, your experience of what was already there, your house, your children, your partner, your friends, your parents, your job, that changes because you have. That's when we realize I'm pretty powerful. I'm pretty powerful that I can shift my own lens to change what was already there. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> I guess, Kat, if people want to jump on board and see what you're doing and find out more about your coaching and your meditations and where, your events and whatever you're doing, because you're everywhere, yep. and um, <laughs> how do they go about getting more information about following along with you and maybe connecting with you? Probably the easiest place to jump onto is Instagram. So that's kat.john, K-A-T dot J-O-H-N, where you'll see, I, you'll get a glimpse of what I'm up to and what I'm about. It's a really nice way, I guess, to decide is this chick for me or is she not? Because I know I'm not everyone's cup of tea and that's that's okay. Then if you want to go deeper into, okay, I think she's my kind of chick, I want to go and check her out, then the next best step would be my website, which is catjohn.com.au. Oh, well, thank you so much for talking to us. I love everything about you, Kat, and I just really hope that my community jump on board with you because I know that they're going to love you just as much as I do. Um, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you, you know, bringing me to your people. I, Mm -hmm. I really do. I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 